0: Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company.
1: This is Politico Energy, I'm Josh Siegel. During the World Bank's annual spring meetings last week, the United States vowed to reshape the institution into a leader that fights climate change. But the U.S. and Europe, at least for now, are unwilling to provide massive new spending for the task, instead urging the World Bank to do more with what it has. Without that extra funding, though, some World Bank allies say the institution will be unable to effectively focus on fighting climate change, alongside its traditional mandate of eradicating poverty. So today, Politico's Zach Coleman, on the climate change debate dividing the World Bank. It's Monday, April 17th.
0: The idea here is to get the World Bank to do more with its existing tools and to improve its operational models, essentially not taking in any more money, but doing more with what it already has. The the World Bank has faced criticism over the years that it is too risk averse, that It is actually discouraging private sector investment by taking too safe of bets that the private sector might actually pursue on their own. So what the US led by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has pushed for is to basically go back to the drawing board and think about how they can use their tools to de-risk some of that private sector investment, bring more private dollars in, and then even use some of the lending capacity that they have to rethink exactly what they offer and who they offer below market rate financing to.
1: Got it. And what do we know about Ajay Banga, President Biden's pick to run the bank? How committed is he to try and make
0: these reforms? You have definitely see him taking on this mantle as well. And he's really backed up this call to use more of the existing tools. He comes from MasterCard. He had been at Citigroup before. His whole spiel so far seems to be to improve digitization at the World Bank that can improve micro-lending and really access hard-to-reach locales and to really think about new asset classes and ways to de-risk private sector investment. I mean, he really wants to bring in the private sector, and that's what you hear consistently from Janet Yellen and others who are pushing this reform agenda at the bank.
1: Yeah, and why are U.S. and European officials downplaying the importance of giving more money, more spending? Why is that not a thing right now?
0: Overall, this is a push to also take on climate change and shared global threats at the bank, but climate change has not been part of the bank's traditional mandate, you know, at least in terms of it hasn't devoted a huge part of its portfolio to projects that would reduce greenhouse gases. It is there. It does happen. But there is this realization that if you're going to then also tackle climate change, which it's going to take trillions across the world to transform power systems and vehicle fleets to run green, that it might come at the expense of the World Bank's original mission, which is to eradicate poverty for economic growth, for growing prosperity. And there are people who have worked at the bank and who still work at the bank who are worried that adding on this new, very expensive, interconnected, overlapping competency like climate change will come at the expense of the bank's original mandate. And so there are some people who wonder how can we do all this with some of the reforms that are on offer? There's this understanding that these reforms are going to be helpful and could put a lot more lending capacity into the bank. I mean, one of the ones that's talked about right now is is changing the bank's equity to loan ratio, which would put $4 billion of lending capacity each year over the next 10 years into the bank's portfolio. But the bank has already identified 2.4 trillion dollars of annual needs to address climate change and and all the other things that come with it. That's not just for the bank to do. That's for the world to address. But you see then the sheer scale of this problem. And you, you really get to wondering, how can we do all of this without more money? But countries that are shareholders at the bank have their own domestic deficits and debt problems to deal with. And they don't want to be seen as giving more money to the bank right now when there are some legitimate criticisms about how it's been run the past few years and about how risk averse it is. So the message from the shareholders is, why don't you work on these efficiencies and changes that we're proposing now, prove that that does something, and then maybe later we'll talk about infusing the bank with more cash from our own coffers. Got it. And then how are
1: rich countries responding to the concern of poor nations that the World Bank in pursuing reforms will have to sacrifice part of its poverty fighting mission?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the really interesting thing here is a lot of the rich nations think that this is a sensible thing to do to address climate change, that in many ways you can thread climate objectives through the existing programs and portfolios and that you know, the World Bank already does a lot of climate change work. It's not like if you work on food insecurity that you're also not working on climate change. I mean, the the two go hand in hand. So there is some sense here from the shareholder-richer countries that this is just going to be a refocusing and a rebalancing more than adding on new priorities. But a lot of the client countries, the poor developing nations, They don't necessarily see it that way. They believe that without an enormous amount of new money coming in, that choices and sacrifices will have to be made in a lot of the programmatic areas. And if the message and signal is not clear and strong from the top at the World Bank, then the program officers who are further down the the organizational chart will not know exactly what to prioritize. And that could lead to confusion and paralysis really at the bank. Also, this week, the Federal Energy Regulatory
1: Commission will decide the fate of two liquefied natural gas projects in Texas, whose permits were booted back to the commission almost two years ago. FERC was ordered to redo permits for the Rio Grande LNG and Texas LNG Brownsville projects back in 2021 after a federal court found regulators did not adequately address how the facilities will impact climate change in environmental justice communities. Environmental groups are starkly opposed to both projects, which are projected to export a combined 31 million metric tons of LNG a year. For more news on energy and environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow.